how to kick this off how to fucking how to kick this off all right so listen why why don't we take a trip you and me mm. to uh, new york city right new york city yes <laughs> new york city um but not modern day new york no 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 have you watched what we do in the shadows i've watched a season okay fair enough i was and... i just you'd never mentioned it before even like in a like passing way so i wasn't yeah. sure if you'd ever seen it i've watched a season and i fucking loved it and i don't know why i've not kept it oh yeah know, back to it. i know but it gets I, better I, and better you gotta i know i know i know this, but i will i will i will so anyway, anyways nah, go on nah. come with me please uh to new york <laughs> not not new york all right not present absolutely okay. not no we my co-host and friend are going to New York of the 1920s and 1930s, all right? Ooh, okay, that's an exciting era, time in New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. Depression-era New York. Mm. Uh, Fat Sam's Grand Slam, Blousy Brown, you know what I'm saying? Bugsy Malone. Uh, and amongst those characters in New York City lived an Irishman by the name of Michael Malloy. All right. Uh, 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 erstwhile a firefighter, but Mike's life had taken a downturn. Uh, Mike had unfortunately gone on a path which led him to unemployment, to alcoholism, and ultimately to homelessness. Uh, He'd fallen Mike. on hard times, and Mike had uh, kind of drifted in and out of various jobs. He'd spent some time as a street cleaner. He'd spent some time as a coffin polisher. Ooh. But most of the time he spent as a drunkard. All right, This man fucking loved a drink. And yeah, listen, I say, yeah, I say this as a descendant of Irish people from New York. It's yep. a pretty normal existence for an Irish man in New York in the 1920s. Okay. You know, it's uh, a tough time. Uh, yep. There's a lot of booze flowing. Um, yep. Lots. It's hard to get a stable job anyway, yep. even if you yep. have the best of luck, let alone, you know, hitting the depression at the end of, of the uh, decade. So, you know. Mike Malloy here. He's a relatable dude. Yes, he's 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 an everyman, you know. He, he would stay in a job for as long as he could fucking stay upright, frankly. Right. Now Mike spent most of his time in a local speakeasy, okay? In the back mm. of an abandoned storefront. Uh you'd think, you know, rudimentary plywood bar. Uh Mike would be there night after night, knocking back hooch. And spending his evenings with anyone who would really give him the time of day. Sure. Now, in that speakeasy, in uh, January of 1933, which I think is the last year of prohibition, I believe. Um, in that speakeasy, I'd... Sure. go on. No, it's like, sure, I'm not sure. I'm never great with exact years, so I was Nor am I. I wasn't I'm led to believe yeah. that okay. it was it was round about there that that that, that uh, prohibition was coming to a close. But in that fucking bar, in that year, a very dark plot began to unfold. Mm. Now, the boss of that speakeasy was a guy called Tony Marino. Okay? All right. And he... And a few of his friends were in there one night drinking fucking bathtub gin or whatever it was they sold and fretting about the depression. Now, they were all broke. They all wished they had better luck. They all wished they had richer friends, maybe a rich relative, maybe a fucking maybe a wealthy aunt or an uncle 
who'd kick the bucket and leave him a fortune. <laughs> Maybe even a friend with a huge life insurance policy who could... Uh -oh. Maybe go deep six and leave them everything. Mm. As the story goes, one night in that speakeasy, the five stopped talking at the exact same time and all turned to look at Mike. Pissed up <laughs> and passed out on the Collingwood <laughs> bar, all having the same idea at the same time. Buddy, no, no one's going to miss you. Exactly this. So with a oh, promise boy. of all the rot gut he could drink... Yeah. Five people in that bar. Marino, the bar owner, along with Joseph Red Murphy, along with The Undertaker, Frankie Pasca, Hershey Green, and a fruit merchant named Daniel Kreisberg. They all persuaded Mike to pose as Red's brother. Okay. And they took out a couple of life insurances on Mike, totaling <laughs> three and a half grand, which is equivalent to almost 80 grand in 2023. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. They even gave themselves a name. They formed uh, a macabre alliance, called themselves the Murder Trust. Wow. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Especially with the balloons now coming up in front of your screen. <laughs> the Murder Trust. Not yeah. intentional. <laughs> um, mm. it, it's, I'll give it to them. They named it well. They did. Their nefarious plan, in case you hadn't got the gist yet, was to... Uh, ensure Mike's life to the hilt and then orchestrate his demise and cash in and make out like bandits. That so what did plan. what did Mike think was going to happen? What a great, great, great question. I don't <laughs> think he gave a fuck. It was like, oh, him... you guys need me to do this? All right. Exactly. They, they okay. exa All they, they promised him free booze and he was there. The guy was okay. deep, deep into his alcoholism. Okay. And that, in fact, gave them the first plan, was to exploit his vulnerabilities, was to exploit his alcoholism. And they offered him an unlimited tab in the bar. Mm -hmm. But time went by, and that failed to deliver the, the goods. I mean, Mike was a fucking animal for the drink, and he kept coming back <laughs> night after night, week after week. So desperate for results, the murder trust started to escalate their efforts. Okay. First... They started spiking Malloy's liquor with antifreeze. Oh. Didn't kill him. He kept Jesus. coming back. This Rasputin more. motherfucker. Exactly. He, <laughs> you fucking, you've absolutely nailed it. Later on, he became known as the Rasputin of New York. <laughs> awesome. Go on. Oh, yeah, I know. They started off spiking him with antifreeze. When that didn't work, they started using turpentine. But he thrived on it. He was back night after night when the turpentine didn't do it. They switched. So it wasn't even that he was like, oh, this tastes too sweet with the antifreeze no. in it. Or it wasn't like he was like, this tastes like dead things. Keep in mind, <laughs> this is this is prohibition alcohol, right? Uh, yeah, I guess a lot of it would have this tasted pretty shit. chemical. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. You're just, you're just, you have huge. one thing you're trying to do, and that is get wasted. Get wasted off the fucking radar, you know? Right. Um. They tried antifreeze, like I said. They followed that up with trying to fucking spike him with turpentine. Yeah. He didn't die. They moved on to horse liniment. Horse right? liniment? Equine fucking massage oils. Poisonous <laughs> fucking horse grease. I feel like that, like, after antifreeze and turpentine, that doesn't feel that's like that's going to work back. better. That, yeah, that feels <laughs> like a backward move. 
Yep, uh, uh, they're just chucking everything at the wall. At sure, this point. and when that they're didn't just work, like, what have you? Ha- what do you have in your house? Uh, <laughs> it's just horse liniment through his fucking cupboard. <laughs> I got some uh, horse liniment. <laughs> it's all I can afford. Um, <laughs> and when that didn't work, they even tried to fuck him up with rat poison. Right? Oh, that usually does does the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not on Mike Malloy. Not on the Rasputin <laughs> of New York. Wow astonishingly shockingly not only did he remain standing he seemingly was immune to all of these deadly concoctions and he kept coming back undeterred he's like straight up like barney from the simpsons he's barney gumble 100 <laughs> percent. here we go he's barney gumble he fucking <laughs> loves it um but they dialed it up because you know they weren't deterred they they invested a lot of time a right. lot of product Mm-hmm. A lot of investment in this plan, so they resorted to ever more. They'd even attempts. made a name. <laughs> we're a hey, we're a club. We can't quit now. You know they had church printed. Yep. Um. Uh. So they started to try and poison him with food. Right. They uh, okay. uh they they fed him uh oysters, raw oysters that that they would soak in uh, wood stain, wood alcohol. <laughs> um. They gave him sandwiches laced with various poisons. They crushed up broken glass into his food. They used, uh, they put fucking carpet tacks in sandwiches and fed wow. them to him. And, and this whole time he's just worked. like, man, they're really treating me super good lately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, what are I doing to fucking dissolve you guys? Something like that. <laughs> I, get, I imagine he would have said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like hiccuping. Yeah, um, exactly. So after all of this ingestion kind of, te- uh, you know, uh, strategy didn't work. Again, they decided to step it up. And this is where it gets even more cruel, okay? They decided to try and freeze him to death. Ooh. Uh, waiting until he was fucked up one night, they dragged him outside and dumped him in the snow on a freezing cold New York evening and soaked him in water. Oh, certain, Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking cruel shit. Certain that he would freeze to death and that finally the good times would roll. While they were soaking him with water, Malloy didn't so much as fucking wake up yet. <laughs> incredibly he was back at the bar a few nights later ready to rock again you guys won't believe what happened the other night (laughs) (laughs) i woke up frozen solid like an icicle bananas you guys should have seen it um the crew increasingly desperate the uh the 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 fucking murder trust they paid a taxi driver to run at mike in his car in a deserted alleyway the taxi hit him at 45 miles an hour Knock Mike completely fucking doolally. But, you know, God smiled upon him and a cop found him. A cab, obviously, but a cop found him right <laughs> after the accident and took him to hospital with nothing more than a broken collarbone. And much it's like, to the well, murder It's like, trust, you know how in like car accidents, it's like if the drunk driver always survives because they're like so loose and relaxed. Exactly. <laughs> it's like exactly. nothing breaks. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I can only imagine that that saved Mike because they were stunned when after he got out of hospital, he was back at the bar again a few weeks later, ready to go. It's like, yeah. you, what almost makes you feel worse for Mike than the fact that they're trying to murder him is how clueless he is about it. That he's just like going back to hang with his buddies who are trying desperately to murder him every night. As is the Joe Agway, you know, we approach these topics with some levity we try and keep it upbeat but they were fucking horrible horrible fuckers to mike yeah Um, but but stay tuned please okay yeah go on go on now they were frustrated 
they were amazed, astounded, but not defeated. And this is where the murder trust resorted to a much darker method. And uh, towards the end of February in 1933, after a night of very, very heavy drinking, Red took Mike home to his home, uh, to his room, and connected a hose to a coal gas jet and put it in Mike's mouth and turned it on. Wow, Mike and is so out that they can put a hose. They stuffed full a fucking a gas, gas hose in his into mouth. Into his mouth. And finally, within an hour, I and Mike finally succumbed to death. Wow. Uh, officially, his cause of death was uh, pneumonia, low bar pneumonia. So, pneumonia. true to form, true to form, these rat bastards paid a local doctor to bury him super quick, lickety split, no mm -hmm. questions asked. And then they went back to the speakeasy, sat back and chilled before attempting to get their payout. Of course. Mm. However, <laughs> this is where the speakeasy network, the fucking underground hotline, caught wind of the story of this indestructible motherfucker. He started Ooh. to get talked about, like I said, in that nickname, the Rasputin of New York. He earned the yeah. nickname Mike the Durable. Ooh, what I a fucking that. name, Mike yeah. the Durable. The story of this indestructible drunken bastard was too Can good just, to stay secret. Go yeah, on. the I love Mike the Durable because um, have you ever seen the show The Adventures of Pete and Pete? I have not. I think I've mentioned it to you before because I think like I think you would enjoy Possibly. it. It was a kids show from yeah, not that you'd remember. It was a kids <laughs> show on Nickelodeon in the early nineties um, that is notorious for the fact that it often had um like uh alternative and grunge and punk figures as like characters on it so like iggy pop Whoa. played one of the characters uh dad michael stipe was an ice cream man on it like all these different people oh, show cool up stuff. in this show and it's amazing it's such a weird show um but there was a like one of the things on it is that like you know it's kind of from the perspective of kids kind of uh, like yo gabba gabba uh, but not like you it's, just get it's more of a storyline though. Okay, yeah, okay, like yeah, yeah. like it's not not that kind of kid show. It's more for like you know older kids, like ten ish, you know. Um, and so there's always like these figures at their school that they give nicknames to. Like there's a guy mm -hmm. who always has pit stains, and so his name is Pit Stain, you know. Nice. But there's one yeah, yeah. character who's like the central bully. <laughs> yeah, right. There's one character who's the central bully of the whole show, and his name is Endless Mike. And they never explain why he's called Endless Mike, but it is the most badass nickname. And yeah. I feel like that's my that's now my origin story for Endless Mike is simply you can't you know, end it him. Fucking has to be. I mean, you know, <laughs> the 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 story of Iron Mike, Mike the Durable, has been it's found its way into lots of kind of pop culture here and there. Mm -hmm. So it fucking has to be. That has to be the the origins of that. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I'm convinced. But anyway, listen. <laughs> Uh, you know, card games, poker games, card circles, drinkers all started talking about this guy and the fucking the tale caught the attention of the police. And that led to the uh, exhuming of his body. They conducted a forensic examination on his body and the truth just unraveled from there. And that led to the arrest and the trial of not only the murder trust, the five members of the murder trust, but also the doctor. Who was complicit in the crime the doctor mm. who arranged the quick burial he faced charges as an accessory as well and justice was served folks um freesburg 
Marino, Frank and Red, they all went to Sing Sing and they all got the electric chair. Oh, dang. <laughs> all of them. The final chapter, June the 7th, 1934. Uh, Man, they didn't when... even get like a minute to enjoy that uh, insurance payout that or sweet, anything. Sweet Just payout. straight to the chair. No, sir. The tale of Iron Mike, Mike the Durable, Mike the Indestructible, the Rasputin of New York uh, <laughs> saw justice in the end in the city that never sleeps. It, it's, I think what I, I like about this story, I mean, rest in peace, poor Mike, that's terrible, mm. but it very much speaks to kind of like the vibe around like organized crime and mm. prohibition, all that kind of stuff at the time, because like crime was high, like <laughs> prohibition, like caused well, yeah. a ton of crime poverty and begats crime of course right exactly so you've got poverty you've got prohibition you've got all these kinds of things and then of course the depression coming in and throwing things into even more chaos um mm. but one of the things about that period is that like people liked gangsters a lot you know and, mm. and so like bonnie and clyde becoming like a heroic tale instead of like just a bunch of idiots who <laughs> were like you know uh, riding around being reckless and then got themselves shot to a bajillion pieces like they yep. they become like robin hood you know and like a lot of like mafia figures and things like that gained kind of a mafia reputation like the banks have yes. crashed and stuff like that we're all in the pits or like they've taken away our ability to have alcohol yeah. all this they've yep. taken so much from us and these mobsters are like representing like the suits. little man fighting back against you know this big bad government and so yeah. what I like about this story is like it really shows it's like, you know, when people got hold of this larger than life mythology of this Rasputin exactly. of Became New York. Yes. Yeah, like people were like looking for people to champion like that. And so, you know, these guys who orchestrated this become like huge villains to everybody because it's like, you know, you've you've killed a hero. <laughs> Yep. And, you know, something that would have flown under the radar ended up being yes. like a thing just because of how Americans sort of mythologized crime and who was deserving of it and who you should protect at the time. So it's fascinating. So as we speak, I have uh, a rum and coke in my hand and I'm raising <laughs> it tonight to Mike the Durable. To Mike the Durable. Cheers. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so... outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. So, nowadays, mm. Everybody wants to talk. Like, <laughs> okay. they've got something to say. <laughs> but nothing comes out when they move their lips. It's mm. just a bunch of gibberish. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about Joag. Ooh, unforgivable. Unforgivable. Now, there's a reason why I say that, right? <laughs> okay. Because, <laughs> interestingly, Owen, who is 10 tomorrow, has discovered Eminem. Has he really? Yes, he has. Thank you, Fortnite. You fucking absolute motherfuckers. Because Eminem is now a downloadable character in Fortnite, right? Weird. I know. It, it's, it's, and not to want to sound like an old cunt, obviously, but it, it, it's becoming more and more clear that Fortnite is a fucking graveyard IP now. 
it's an IP <laughs> right, cemetery, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Um, any fucking character or franchise will, at some point, now arrive in Fortnite. Name it. And if it isn't in yeah. Fortnite already, it will be in Fortnite at some point. It's just it's like insane. literally Ready Player One. Yeah, it is. It, it is. I, and and one has to, has to suspect that that's the goal. Because... Right. You know, it isn't just a shooter now. It's a it's a community. It's a fucking it, it's 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 like Second Life only accessible. You know, Second Life only right. a good. I guess it's 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 a hyper monetized, and you know the formula has been weaponized, uh, where you know a, a game meets a community meets a culture, uh, and I am I am constantly astounded at the. Pardon the fucking pun, but the second life it is giving uh -huh. to forgotten IPs. Right before popping up in Fortnite over the past couple of weeks, Eminem has zero cut through with kids anymore. Right? He's right. He's yeah. <laughs> fucking, you know, he hasn't been artistically relevant. He hasn't had that cut through in God knows how long. Yeah. But fucking hell, he turns up in Fortnite doing a stupid dance, uh, with like a twenty second clip of the real Slim Shady. And wow. all of a sudden, you know, Owen is like, oh, Dad, Eminem, can we listen to Eminem? I'm like, no, you're nine. No. Can we listen to Eminem? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but, but here's the thing, right? He can't quite get his head around the fact that I saw Eminem during his first ever UK gig. <laughs> that, you know, he, he I put, I, I can do the real Slim Shady from start to end, right? Oh, without absolutely. missing a fucking beat. Yeah. Without missing a beat. And he's like, what? He can't. <laughs> it's like, Son, Eminem is older than I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he can't get his head around it. And, and more and more, it's been, it's really kind of opening my eyes to the fact that my children occupy a completely fucking different reality to us, mm, to me. Yeah. The world is completely different from their height than it is mm -hmm. from ours. Yeah. Um. Another example of this. So last weekend, we, as is uh, a kind of a post-Christmas tradition, we jumped in the car, drove to Milton Keynes to Smith's Toys for them to use their vouchers, right? Okay. And uh, we play a little game of I'll play a track, you play a track, right? Mm -hmm. Nice. Really nice. It's a good way of sharing music. It's a good way yeah. of bonding. It's a good way of, yeah, really nice. Finding some cultural kind of common ground. Yeah, I like that. Oh, Owen asks for uh, Mr. Brightside by The Killers, right? Hey. Oh. Hey. Great song. It's mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have great connotations in the UK because it, it 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 became uh it became kind of co-opted by very laddish kind of boozy culture. You put Mr. Uh. Brightside on the club and everybody's fucking jumping up and down with their pints and la 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 la. <laughs> yeah, but enough. he's singing it is along. Like the, right? That album is the anthem of my transition from high school into college. So you know. There you go. Yes, I, I, many's the time I I've done that myself. I've jumped up and down to it myself in fucking yeah. sweaty bars with sticky floors. I've been there. <laughs> but Owen is singing the lyrics, right? He's singing along. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you know the line, uh, and and I'm falling asleep and she's calling a cab while he's having a smoke and she's taking a drag, right? Right, yeah. But, yeah. Owen sang that line as and I'm falling asleep and she's calling it cap. <laughs> No way! That's amazing. That, those are the lyrics he heard. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what did you just? What the fuck did you just say? He's calling it cap. You know, you think she's cap. Th she thinks he's capping, falling asleep. Like, huh? 
what? No. They live in a completely fucking... We share the same temporal kind of space. We share the same physical fucking space. But they live in a completely different fucking world. That's incredible. And I'm falling asleep. And she's calling it cap. (laughs) Sorry, we didn't have that word. 20 no. years ago. That's, a, that's what literally that somebody has made up in the last like 18 months. Um, <laughs> but yet in the lyrics, that is what he heard. And that is that is what in his head that yeah. song was until I vigorously corrected him, of course. But right. that's, just... also, that's like how my mother hears lyrics. She's always got like the most insane interpretations of oh, everything. <laughs> listen, Laura is brilliant at this. Laura oh, is really? so fucking good at this. If If she doesn't, she will just say any old shit. In a song, um, I've since realized that this is quite commonplace. But you know the song, um, what's it called? Na, 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 na. My love has got no money. He's got his strong beliefs. What's it called? No. Freed from Desire by Gala. No. Na 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 na. No. Is this recent or is this like an old song? Oh fuck no! It's got to be. You know, it's it's late nineties. I would say mid to late nineties. Oh. Is it British? No. It is British, but I, okay. I thought it had. I thought it had transferred. I thought it had crossed over. Don't think this one crossed the pond. Okay, so it, it has a line: uh, "My love has got no money. He's got his strong beliefs." Right? Okay. My love has got no money. He's got his strong beliefs. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, all her fucking life, Laura has been singing, "My love has got no money. He's got his trombolis." Like is that that's a word? Some music, like no, it isn't. Uh, and in her head, she's like, "Is that not a musical instrument that he's playing? What a trombolise! What the fuck is that? It doesn't exist." <laughs> but she's been all her life. My love's got the money. He's got trombolise. I love that. <laughs> um, and I, I've since found, I've since found that that's actually really commonplace. That loads of kids have people grown think up it's trombolise. Yep, loads of listen to or me just a... <laughs> immediately post podcast tonight, please. Uh, get on your Spotify and, and uh, go for Freed from Desire by Gala, G-A-L-A. Uh, and a, a generation of kids have grown up wondering what the fuck a trombolise or a strombolise is. That's incredible because it's like, uh-huh. I can imagine like, oh, a lot of people have like, like they mishear that line, they fill it in with something, but it's hilarious that like, it's yep. the same wrong thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, we've talked about mass delusions and mass hysterias <laughs> before and collective fucking you know, uh, uh, reality shifts. A load of kids have grown up wondering what the fuck a strombolise is. <laughs> That's, there's, um, like, what is, is it a mondegreen? Is that the thing where, uh, I'm trying to think. Anyway, there's like some term for like, or like egg corns. Have you heard of that? Yes, yes, yes. Like yes, egg course, corns where course. you you just yep. hear like pedal stool and stuff like that. That was but... exactly what I was about to say. I roundly <laughs> mock one of Laura's mates for posting on Facebook in a status that uh, I can't stand it when, you know, people put you up on a pedal stool. And I was like, bah, ha, ha, what? <laughs> Listen, like it's been Facebook, what? I'm like, insufferable yeah, prick. You're, you're a giant <laughs> dick on there. Um but it's been like 15 years since the IT crowd came out, hasn't it? Like by now you should know it's not pedal stool. Yes. <laughs> That's all I'm yes, saying. Yes, yes. Uh but anyways, I like there are there is like a phenomenon obviously of people like hearing lyrics wrong and often them being the same thing, like hold me closer Tony Danza or you know various yeah, yeah. things Excuse like me that. When I kiss this guy. Yes, exactly. But I find that fascinating that it's like a mass delusion of an entirely made up word. That is incredible. Yeah. And <laughs> you bet your bottom dollar that if Owen is singing that I'm falling asleep and she's calling it cap, 
all of the fucking oh, yeah. kids in his school are, you know? Yeah, they think the exact same thing. I love Another that. Another generation grows up. Yep. It's, oh, it's amazing. I used to sit like, you know, I, I actually did this the other day and I was like, oh, this is so nice. When I was a kid, anything that I was listening to, whether it was like a CD, take out the liner notes, or if it was something like an MP3 that I had gotten online, I would pull yeah. up the lyrics online and like read it as I oh, listened to the song. Right you know? passage, man. Every right. fucking kid. It's the best. <laughs> well, probably not your kids. I no, can imagine well, God, no. they don't live in liner notes no. times, so it like no, doesn't no, even no. occur to them, I bet. But as such, like I'm usually pretty good with lyrics because I read the lyrics to everything. But mm. yeah, I had like my mother, she just makes up whatever famously like the Stone Temple Pilots album that had like Big Bang Baby and all that on it. Mm. Every single one of the songs on that album, she has her own lyrics too. <laughs> uh, and I had like roommates in college, Monica and Michelle, the twins, who they would boldly sing the wrong lyrics to things they still do to this day whether it's just like like just making up sounds or just whole different words they will boldly uh, sing the wrong thing and i just Stone think Temple that's Pilot. so charming i've got vivid memories uh of in gcse music for a performance exam uh a good friend of mine uh wanted to perform plush wanted to play the guitar and, and perform plush and i sang it with him and it was great nice. and he got an a hey and you yes, helped sir. i, I sure once did when early and you know i didn't like start drinking till i was like 25 um and like most of my friends didn't really either because we went to christian mm. school um and obviously you can't drink here till you're 21 anyway aside from whatever illegal way you might do that but mm. um we had had like a party and you know it was amongst the first times that everyone was like getting wasted or whatever and my friend jerry was like you were so drunk that you were claiming interstate love song is the best song of the 90s and i was like it is the best song of the 90s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I meant every word. I will stand behind it. <laughs> like, my I love flag. Interstate Love Song. <laughs> uh, I'm a big uh, STP simp. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they got some bangers. There's, there's no, there's no denying. <laughs> anyway, hello anyway, and welcome, welcome to Jack of All Graves. Graves. How did we get there? I don't remember why we were talking about that at all. Eminem well, in the Fortnites, and Eminem the Fortnites. Yeah. Uh, my kids live in a different dimension. Killers. It's, the, it's yeah. you know I just it's a uh, rabbit hole is what it is. It is a rabbit hole, and just to go just a little further down that rabbit hole, uh, I think this is one of another thing about like when I was a kid, I always thought when I get older, I'm not going to be like clueless about pop culture, like you know our mm. parents are things like that, yeah. you know and like uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be cool i'm always gonna stick with it and all that kind of stuff and i did not do that <laughs> i <laughs> deeply like my new year's resolution like i said one of my new year's resolutions to listen to a new ish album every week uh which yeah. i have my two weeks so far i have very much enjoyed um Good. but i'm not listening to like young people music and, and i don't always hate that i love pop the current mode where pop is right now does not work for me uh, where everything kind of sounds particular? it's like the Taylor Swiftification of pop, which means that all the songs have like one note, you know, yes. like it's just like, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are oh. we out of the woods yet? Like things like that. I'm like, you need more notes to Let your songs. I hate that. that. Right. Please oh, do. Fuck. Yeah. 
<laughs> with Taylor Swift in particular, God, I hate fucking even talking about things I don't like in the current era. Because I, well, yeah, I, I right. Like, because you don't want to be the get off my lawn person. Painfully but she's also like, and she's nearly my age. So like, fine. But, uh, right. We'll give you a pass on this. A very, very good and close friend of mine is an unapologetic Swifty, a fucking diehard Swifty, an adult <laughs> man, right? And that's fine. Many I'm, are, I'm not, yeah. Of course. It's fucking, you do you, it's fine. Life is short, love what you love. Um, But the argument that, that she's this fucking amazing songwriter. Yeah, that's to, what gets to, me. Ugh. Just to pick a song off the top of my head, right? Her Bad Blood. Let's oh, just go God. through the fucking melody of that. You see where I'm going? Yep. Do, 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 mm-hmm. do, do, do. One more time. Do, 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 do. Hey. Hey. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. Is, and all do, of her do, songs do, are do, like do, that. Six They're fucking all notes. Like and that. that's the song. That's it the drives me insane. And it's not like it's like lyric any of it's lyrically brilliant either. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it all song. oh it drives me crazy. And I feel like as a result, like the female pop stars are kind of like making all of their music sound like that now, which is annoying. And then like exactly. the use of auto tune is like out of control. Uh, Taylor Swift, you don't get your fucking Rita Ora's, your Dua Lipa's, your fucking. Well, Dua Lipa's on a whole different plane. Dua Lipa uh, yeah, but... like actually sings. <laughs> and, you know, like she's not like deep pop but she's not trying to be she's doing like an updated disco pop thing and she's got a voice you know she doesn't sing one note over and over again that mm. that's but it's like the olivia rodrigo's and things like mm. that like oh i can't i put oh, on one, like one a of, one of owen's tracks was olivia rodrigo actually oh, in the car Mm. Can't do it. I listened to her whole album because, like I said, like I've always loved pop. I'm like a huge pop person, but it's just like we're in a window that I'm not enjoying. And like, yes. give it two years, and I think we'll be back in one that I like like again. <laughs> but what's happening right now is like just like a piece of like everything that annoys me about music is in this stuff. But yeah, mm. it's like I always like oh, I'm gonna be like so on top of it. I'm gonna be like with it. I'm gonna know what the kids are about, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like. Not only am I not with it, but I like am not bothered by not being with it. And now I understand why our parents weren't like I've, they were I, not I, rushing out to be into what we were into. I kind of do my best. I I watch and I I, I listen to what they listen and watch. Yeah. You know, I do my best to keep an eye over their shoulder and to at least fucking keep. Well, fucking... yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, a kind of a finger, if not on the pulse, then in the vicinity of the right. respiratory system, you know, the, I don't know. <laughs> it would be the cardiovascular system. Cardiovascular system. Different, maybe that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying yeah, to think you're... of the wrong system. <laughs> that's the problem, I'm, folks. I'm always fingering the wrong <laughs> fingering system. Fingering the wrong system. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, anyways, um, how, how you doing, Mark? I'm really good, mate, and I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And I think it's you true. can tell I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you seem good. I appreciate. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, doing well. My sister's here, which I always enjoy. Hi, Erin. <clears throat> yeah, she she sends her love from downstairs. I'm sure she and my mom are watching something <laughs> at the moment. Uh, she's very good at like one of the great things about my sister is that we are similar in a lot of ways, but very different in others. And amongst the ways that we're different is that my sister is much more extroverted than I am. 
And so Ooh. I'm like deeply exhausted by interaction with people. Um, but when when you have to do it, you're great at it. I mean, I well, remember that birthday party of of uh, of of Nick's that we were at, uh, you know, last year. And you were fucking, you are, you're the life and soul. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if you're dying inside, which sure, you, right. you know, that does not come across. I can't fake it. <laughs> until yeah, I'm, I am. You know, until an I'm fucking four drinks deep. Masker. Yeah, that's mm. my spiritual gift is masking yeah. uh, which is not to say like i'm always having a bad time or anything like that but it is tiring more than anything else and my sister yeah. is much more energized by being with people and talking and yes. stuff like that so as you know me and my mother are on completely different wavelengths yes. <laughs> my mom is very extroverted wants to be interacting all the time so when my sister is here um you know, she will sit down there and watch things and talk to my mom all day long. And, mm. you know, they'll eventually start fighting with each other. But like for the most part, they just hang out. Where does, if you were to guess where the friction would come from this time, what do they often butt heads about? What is the... Oh, any number of things. <laughs> okay. Domestic <laughs> yeah. or political or, you know... What... It can, yeah, it can be any number of those things. They've They've gotten into political fights. They will argue about, you know things that the other one does that are annoying them or you know any yeah any number of things that i normally am like i'm too tired for this <laughs> yeah, walk yeah. away from my sister will engage so it's good it keeps um keeps my mom entertained and then i get to have my sister around which is fun so yeah Great. you know someone to watch wrestling with for the next two weeks all that beautiful stuff. yeah it's delightful <laughs> um let's see here We've got a couple things coming up. We do. So uh, we, I don't think we have, oh, we did have one in December because we had my birthday watch along, didn't we? We did, but it's yeah. absolutely watch along o'clock, I think. It's way past mm -hmm. watch along time. So let's get one in the fucking books, shall we? What we, uh, what we going to be talking, 27th? That fuck, is that right? Yeah. You should I say that my fuck. No. <laughs> I was going to say that feels right. And then I oh, okay. like changed directions and I don't know what came out of my mouth as a result. <laughs> <laughs> Is yes, it the 27th? 27th yeah. Saturday, the 27th of January, right? Then I've got a theme in mind. So we're deep into January right now. And if you're prone to the sads, they're probably coming out. If, you know, whatever financial stresses you might have, family stresses you might have, work stresses you might have, they all tend to feel sharper, more pronounced, more jagged, more kind of the friction that they cause just feels to cut a little deeper this time of year. Mm, so yeah. why don't we, why don't we, on Saturday the 27th of January, why don't we indulge? Why don't we meet together, friends, and warm ourselves with some comfort horror. What do you think? I like think? it. I like it. Go what do you on. think? Yeah. What are you thinking? And I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it wide open. Right. And Ooh, I'd, okay. love, I'd love, I love, mm. I would love some suggestions on the socials, on the facey, on the blue sky, on the Instagram. What are your comfort horrors? What are the horrors that give you the fucking warms? Because th there are. There, I, weirdly, one of mine is the thing. And I watched it today. I watched it <laughs> this very fucking day. A very cold Even, movie oh, to give you the warms the coldest most icy frigid movie it just gives me the warms it's comforting elm street 3 it is the most comforting fucking horror film mm. i'd love to know what yours are because we're going to pick one and we're going to just warm ourselves on the embers of comfort horror 
what is your com your your you know your go to like a fucking horror blanket? Uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. We'll pick one, and on the twenty seventh, we all gather round. We'll fucking roast ourselves and warm ourselves and cheer ourselves like a shot of brandy on a mountainside delivered by a Saint Bernard. You know, with a barrel under his fucking collar. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, no, but I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Saint a Saint Bernard dog with a little barrel of fucking brandy on his collar, going to rescue you know lost mountaineers, ah, warming the cockles of your heart. That's what we're doing mm. this Saturday. Not this Saturday, but this no. watch along on Saturday the twenty seventh. We're going to cheer ourselves up with some warm, comforting horror movie. I feel super good about that. That's going to be a lot of good. fun. I will have good, my good, good, good tea and my pajamas ready for the whole experience. It's going to be a good time. I and I will have a fresh jewel pod and a oh, fucking Jesus rum and Diet Coke. Uh, yeah. Uh, and look, I've got, I, I've got to have a vice, right? I've got to have something. I've got to have something. <laughs> oh, brother, we got to find a better one for you. <laughs> Can it be just being well, like really into there's trains? There's loads of better ones, but I can't do them anymore. <laughs> it's not what I meant. <laughs> um. But this Saturday, we also have Book Club. First book club of the year, Devolution by Max Brooks, um, which mm. has, uh, according to Ryan, a very good audio cast. I've only, I'm only on chapter three or so of it so far. Uh, so I think there's only like two characters at this point, um, but really well read so far. Um, quite enjoying it. So if you made a New Year's resolution to read more, if you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to join a book club this year. Uh, if you just want to add to your horror reads, why not start the year outright by coming to book club this Saturday, the 20th? Head out, head out, check out jackofallgraves.com slash book club for information on it. Um, if you'd like, you can email me in advance. The, there's a contact form on there to tell you how to do so, but you don't have to tell me you're coming uh, unless you want to. You can just show up and it's a grand old time. It's free. Uh, you can tell your friends to come. You don't have, they don't have to listen to this podcast. You don't have to listen to this podcast, but it'd be wild if somehow you were hearing this without listening to the podcast. Yeah, I did wonder then. Huh? <laughs> but, but Corey, if, if they don't, um, and the same goes for watch along, obviously. You yeah. Know? You don't um, have to listen to this. We have a beautiful, beautiful community of, of friends who, who show up to the watch alongs on the reg and fucking hell, man. I, every single one of them leaves me so fucking seen and validated and warm and just proud of of you know of our friends and our community that we have but i gotta tell you mm. watch alongs are always a fucking hell of a good laugh yes uh so all of the deets will be publicized you know hours in advance so <laughs> <laughs> as per custom <laughs> uh, so yes it would be a sincere delight to to see you there Yes, watch long book club. Join us. Mm. The more the merrier. We're just happy to have you. Yeah. In this year of our Lord this 20 year. and 24. Is this our fourth or third year? I mean, so we're in our fourth year. Chronologically, yeah. Yes. We're in our fourth year. Wow. Yeah. We will have been doing this for four years in August. By that logic, mm. my life has spanned six decades. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I just did the maths on my hands. I've just crunched the numbers. <laughs> uh, it's kind of bananas to think about. Sense. Holy f 
Fuck. <laughs> I'm Disturbing. Methuselah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much at this point. I'm disturbed. Uh, hey, one thing we like to talk about here on Jack of All Graves, one thing that we chat about every week is movies, is horror movies. You like the horror movies, Corrigan? I'm a, I'm a little bit of a fan of the horror movies. You like movies. the scary I've been the known spooky, to dabble you know the ones? in the spookies, yeah. The scary movies, have you seen any this week? I have seen some. I've seen some interesting flims this week and, and, and docs and things like that. Um... For one thing, I gotta I gotta talk about this outright. Uh, our household, by that I just mean Keo and I, have become mm. uh, deeply entrenched in the curious case of Natalia Grace. Have you dabbled in the Natalia yet? Completely blank on this. I have no clue. So this, uh, the first season of this came out um, in like six months ago, I think, somewhere in that general vicinity um, mm. on Max. And it is a documentary, a docu-series about a family that adopted a little girl uh, from Ukraine and then became convinced that she was a an adult woman who was terrorizing them uh, in their home. Oh, uh, orphan. Orphan, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this kind of goes through the process of like, you know, why did they come to think that? And, you know, all of this kind of stuff before obviously coming around to like, like she was just a child. <laughs> and oh, these people. Shit. Okay. So it's not orphan. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not orphan. Reverse they just, orphan. They, yes. Reverse orphan. <laughs> uh, and the adoptive parents are horrendous human beings. Um, and Actually, mostly. Sorry, reverse orphan would be if a, a, <laughs> like grown, a if a child was pretending to be an adult yeah i guess maybe I, sorry I've, i'm I've, not I've, sure I've, I've overthought it yeah you okay. know what i'm saying you overthought the quip but <laughs> <laughs> regardless she was a normal child but they like basically you know didn't want to take care of this kid made up this whole story about her being uh an adult leading to them being able to just drop her in an apartment by herself mm. to live alone disabled she's a, oh. she's got a very rare and difficult form of dwarfism uh in a apartment in a really shitty dangerous neighborhood with stairs uh where basically you can tell they hope that she would eventually fall down the stairs and die and be off their did hands did they really think this or was it just a front was it a that's you know, the you a, know a they'll claim okay. they yeah, thought yeah, yeah, this yeah. but it's very clear they did not think this. Like, mm. you know, and, and so basically the whole, like, se the first season, you're watching the dad tell the story, who is, like, very clearly a narcissist, and he thinks that he's pulling this off, like, he's really, he is acting, like, he'll even prep himself, he'll be like, oh, okay, like, give me a second to you know, to get into the mode. And then he'll like act as his wife and like things like this. And like, he really thinks he's like winning sympathy with us mm. when in fact, you're just watching a guy like, you know, Dig hang his himself. Grave. Yeah, with yeah, his own yeah, rope yeah. here. Uh, and then the second series just came out and uh, you actually get to hear from Natalia. There had been a gag order on a lawsuit, so she couldn't talk when that last part was being filmed, but now she can talk. Um, mm. And sort of telling her her side of this and all of this kind of stuff. 
the thing about it is like the docuseries is like hugely unethically made and you can't help but watching it go like these these filmmakers are garbage <laughs> but the story is so fascinating and like you're invested in Natalia and like all the horrible things that happened to her and trying to get justice for that and everything so you know it's like you watch it despite knowing that you're like eh, is this made well no but <laughs> you know we're invested in this story Keo is not like hugely into true crime like I am, but he is like reading Reddits and articles and like all oh, kinds wow. of stuff about he's gone this. In, like, he's gone deep. Yeah. For like several days on our daily walks, he was like, so I just read this and people think this is going on. And you know, it's like, <laughs> he's got the board like with in. the red string yeah, and straight up like super <laughs> into it. So, yeah, this is like one of the first times that it's been like some, you know, they'll sometimes watch along with me if I'm watching a Dateline or something like that. But like it doesn't get like super invested. <laughs> this is the first mm. time I've ever seen him get like invested in one of these true crime shows. So yeah, Curious Case of Natalia Grace is fascinating and infuriating. And really, like if it was, if the filmmakers were better people um, and not just going for like the most salacious thing they could make, it's also like an incredible commentary on like disability in America and how disabled people are treated and their rights <laughs> and how easy mm. it is to violate them and, you know, adoption and how often that is uh horribly exploitative and all kinds of things so mm. i recommend it and i don't recommend it <laughs> at the same time yeah i mean obviously in a, on a completely different scale and on a completely different level there's there's money to be made here in the uk for uh families who want to home international mm -hmm. students mm -hmm. and i know of of at least one or two families who do that simply to get you know to to pocket the money themselves and and right. pay no regard to the experience that they're given you know the, the people who are living with them in a fucking strange country in, right. a, in a very formative and vulnerable time of their lives potentially yeah uh so yeah it's 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 yeah a, it's a like just mindset. a that's the thing is like i think whenever i watch stuff like this or like you know hear about things of that nature i'm just amazed at how yeah. horrible people yeah. can be because it's just like oh it's, yeah i've I've always been like a very empathetic person and like very attuned to how other people are feeling and stuff like that. And I get so like if someone else is sad, I get so sad. And Like if, you know, someone's happy, I get happy and things like that. The idea that people just like can be so horrendous to other humans and not give a shit is like it's just, incredible, isn't it? It's mm. amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. So if you want to see someone like that, whoo. Michael from The Curious Case and Natalia Grace is a real piece of work. I'll probably skip that one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I don't, I, 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 I'm not as empathetic as you, right? Sure. In that I can, I can, I'm a, I, I consider myself an excellent judge of character. Mm -hmm. Um, my first impressions of somebody are often right and even when they're not i i find it difficult to break out of them um, <laughs> right but i i am way better at kind of I, I i i am somebody who is easily upset at the depths of cruelty that people are yeah. capable of there have been lots and there have been seemingly lots of cases in the uk you know over the past kind of years or whatever where uh kids have been mistreated um 
And I, I yeah, that that really fucking hits home. I hate it. I absolutely yeah. hate it. Yeah, so I'll skip exactly. that one, thanks. Yeah, like it really, it's a feel-bad piece if you're the kind of person who, yeah, can has a hard time not taking that to heart and feeling for people going, like a yes. child going through something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like trigger warnings all over the place, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I watched that. Um, I watched, uh, I watched Society of the Snow in other things that everyone is talking about right now. Um, so Society of the Snow is about the Uruguayan rugby team, the one that I mentioned last week uh, that crashed in the Andes. Um, and, you know, a handful of them survived, but they had to ah, eat now, their teammates. Now, wait a minute. There's mm -hmm. not the same, not the same documentary, but there's the same subject has just been on a Channel 5 documentary over here. Um, it's like in the zeitgeist right now. Clearly. And and obviously Laura being a qualified day crash <laughs> investigator has been yeah. lapping it up. Oh, and I'm she's sure. been watching it with the boys. And I I've I've caught the last episode of that. And fuck me. Yeah. It is as inspirational as it is shocking and horrifying. But so that's yeah, that's exactly it. So like I said, last week I had been listening to the last podcast on the left series on it that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, mm. and exactly that. When you're listening to it, it's like horrifying just some of the worst things that can happen to people happening yeah, yeah, in this yeah. kit but at the same time there is this like thread of inspirationalness yeah. through it and that, i like, know full fucking well i would not have been able to survive that i would <laughs> no, not have had it in me to go to the not. lengths they went to i'd right. have eaten the dead don't get me wrong fucking hell right yeah of course <laughs> when, when else are you gonna get the chance to do that and, and you know and emerge unscathed i would yeah. have done that while there was food left um, but, <laughs> but keeping in mind, you know, these guys were like, you know, most of them were fiercely Catholic and really worried about what it meant for their, you know, immortal soul to eat another uh, person. And they, you know, eventually kind of had to come to the conclusion that it's like it would also be a sin if God left something here for you to eat, for you to yes. choose to die instead of which is how they it. contextualized it in press conferences, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the bounty, you know, taken of, of the body and the blood and whatnot. Right. And um, so, yeah, like all of that to say, like, if you're watching something that's really in depth or like reading or listening to something really in depth about it, you really get to know the people who are involved with it and like what they went through, what they were thinking, how they related yeah. to each other, all of that stuff. And Society of the Snow has been sort of like hailed as a film, like people like really raving about this. And it doesn't do any of that. It really is just a very one note movie that's like, but basically like terrible things happening and then someone monologuing and then more mm. terrible things happening. And I will tell you, the plane crash scene is graphic, um, like not bloody, but graphic like there's. It actually kind of answered a question for me that I've had since that I've discussed since the beginning of this podcast, because you know how I um, I have like, you know, you have your Princess Diana is your like, oh, thing that you're like, I, I just really want to see that princess, right? She's the queen yeah. of hearts. Right. My thing that I've wanted to see, like the photos or like how it happened of is uh, the limo crash that killed the 20 passengers that were in it. Mm -hmm. And like, how did that how did that happen? How did all of those people die in that yep. limo crash? And in this um, in this movie, in the plane crash, 
like basically they hit the ground and then you see all of the seats just slide forward, smashing everyone, breaking skulls, like breaking people's legs in half and stuff like that. And like, oh, that that's how that happens. That's uh, okay. Did you say it's called the Society of the Snow? I think Laura. Society of the Snow. Yeah, mm. but it's like yeah, it's. I mean, you're not. It's not like a whole thing about the plane. This is just like kind of the opening of this movie, and it just left as soon out as you a said lot. Plane crash graphic. Yeah. I was like, uh, I know. Well, I know might be, yeah, might, she might yeah, be interested yeah. in it. Maybe she can critique how well they did it. But <laughs> they, um, you know, the even stuff in the plane crash. I'm like the um, last podcast and the left went into more detail about. So I'm like noticing things like, oh, well, that person should have been like standing up over here and like, you know, all this um, little details in it were like, like, so they hear on the radio that like the search has been called off for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the movie, like then it goes to a commercial on the radio. And I'm like, but in the series on this, they talked about how it was like a song that they played that was like really like on the nose as to like what had happened. Like either like the people who sang it died in a plane crash or like something like that. La Bamba. Um, <laughs> La Bamba right afterwards. Right. And it's like, so it got little details wrong that like I thought were interesting and easy to get right. Mm. Um, and then it just didn't have any of like that. Like there's nothing inspirational about society of the snow. Like you don't watch that and go like, wow, the power of the human spirit or like community or teamwork or anything like that. You're just like, Oh, that sucks. Well, it's a good thing someone See, found him. <laughs> the the version that we just watched over here was quite the opposite. It had, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the survivors. That's where the it had the actual is. human beings, yeah. the, the actual survivors talking about their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, footage. They, you know, they went out there to the place where it happened, the helicopter shots of the fucking landscape that they had to survive through. Uh, and it, it really brings home how the fuck did they fucking do that? Yeah, I loved that like in the in the podcast um there was like a moment where they're kind of talking about how like all these guys one of the things is the fact that like they just didn't even question they were going to survive they were like mm. yeah okay what do we need to do like we'll we'll get through this whatever and uh ed larson one of the hosts like just said um you know this really speaks to like the delusionalness of men <laughs> like young men it's like this is just how delusional young men are and i was like yeah it's probably true you're 20 mm. you're, you're a 20 year old man you're like sportsman sportsman yeah i got this <laughs> no problem we're totally gonna survive this uh where yeah certainly the older of us would be like what's the most comfortable way to die uh i was astounded at how many cigarettes they had on board an they incredible were amount of cigarettes. they were smoking like fucking <laughs> months in yeah it was like all they really had was just a <laughs> shit ton of cigarettes which is, you know, lucky for them, I guess. Like, yeah, I it's a, a mild appetite suppressant while you're out there <laughs> starving. But golly. Yeah, so Society mm. of the Snow did not do it for me. I did not have the same experience. And maybe that's because I know more about it and what the like actual interesting part of the story is. And so just watching people suffer for it's like two hours and 20 minutes long of just watching people like suffer and monologue. <laughs> It just feels yeah. like it needs more than that. Yep. There was another angle, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, what did you watch? Okie dokie. I'm going to... I'm going to talk a little bit about The Witch. Right? Ooh, I love The Witch. Oh, man, I love The Witch. Um, It's... You know I don't just toss out five stars. I don't do mm. that. Right? But mm -hmm. I... 
you know, I've talked about my 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 kind of rating ideology on Letterbox before. I will I will only give a, a four and a half or a five star to those movies that make a, a real fucking connection. I'll expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit. And I think I only give five stars to movies that leave me no choice to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And The Witch is exactly one of those movies. There is no other fucking choice than to award this the highest fucking mark possible on Letterboxd because it's astounding. Uh, what it, what I, every time I watch it, I'm blown away by a different, a different mm. facet of the film, right? And, and on this occasion, I was taken by the fact that it, right, the, that family in that movie, and, and for those who haven't seen it, what the fuck, watch The Witch. <laughs> um, yeah, for one. Get your uh, shit together. Watch the witch. A British family uh, who've settled from the UK in New England. Uh, it's a very fun, like I like that framing just as an American because that's not how we would like put it. <laughs> oh, go on. Well, just because like we don't like we don't really call them like British settlers or whatever. You know, we're like oh, okay, this you know they're invasion force. <laughs> yeah, they're pilgrims or Puritans or pioneers or whatever. You know, but they're not. We don't go like, oh, they're British people in America. Uh, the only the only reason I, I refer to them as such is because they refer to them as themselves that. I mean, halfway through, the, the mother goes, I want to go back to Britain. I want to go back to England. Mm-hmm. I, I won't be happy until I see England again. But, right, there's very little for me in my privileged fucking white boy, 45-year-old you know, <laughs> British life to relate to, right, in their <laughs> circumstance. Right. I can't build shit let alone a barn, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Tell me to build a... Even if you gave me all the tools with which to build a barn uh, <laughs> and like a YouTube from like, you know, a, 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 a really good barn builder, I would still fuck it up, sure. right? Um, but somehow, somehow, this family who speak in, you know, Old English, beautifully, beautifully written and performed mm-hmm. Old English, by the way, yeah. Somehow Ben Wheatley makes that family so fucking relatable. You know what I mean? It, after about a third of the way through, you completely tune out the fact that they're speaking in fucking, you know, old world Chaucerian or whatever fucking right, English. Yeah. And you just have a dad and his kids and his wife and their fucking struggle against the elements and their own fear and their own faith. Uh, and it's 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 as though you know you you immediately fucking it's like you're living their life it's incredible it's all uh, uh, as much as it is an historical movie it's a fucking a mystery it's a who done it mm-hmm. who the fuck is bringing this satanic influence into their life is there even a fucking right, satanic yeah, influence exactly. or are they just all full of shit uh the interplay is it the kids is it the fucking is it uh, is it the goat for fuck's sake? <laughs> is it bullshit? Uh, every little clue that you get, you know, whose fucking eyes are you seeing this from? Because it's it's the child, it's the young boy who encounters the titular witch. Is you know, is is he a fantasist? Is this true or not? You know, the unreliable narrator. Who the yeah. fuck do you believe here? And then when it plays its hand, <laughs> god damn. The last 15, 20 minutes of the film where, you know, the fucking the prestige happens and you see what's really going on. It is devastating. Yeah. The Oh, fucking hell. I am apeshit <laughs> for how good this film is. It is yeah. astounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, literally I'm every sure. time I watch it, I have the same sort of reaction of just being like, holy shit, that was next that level. That was really something. Yeah, really exactly. Something. <laughs> um, And, you know, yes, like I said, you get hints of, of supernatural kind of witchcrafty, satanic nonsense throughout the mm -hmm. film, but you don't know who to believe. You don't know if you're seeing yeah. it through a fantasist's eyes. But in those last minutes, there is no doubt, you know, all mm -hmm. fucking doubt is revealed. And yep. some real true fucking satanic Puritan shit goes down. Yeah. And it is it's and, so good. And I think that reveal is handled so well, too, because that could be, you know how a lot of times like it, it's kind of a like that can be so like ham fisted in a movie. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. oh, you spent yes. the whole time like not knowing. And horror, you know, right, you expect yeah. to see Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing or whatever. Right. <laughs> but no, no, no. It, this no. is it. You see nothing. You see you see mm -hmm. so little. Uh, when you know Black Philip is fucking revealed and his voice is a whisper, what's that just like the taste of butter? Scared the shit out of me the first time what's that thou, I saw it. What's that like a pretty dress? Oh my god! <laughs> I think amazing. I've said it on here before, but yeah, the first time that I saw that, I was sitting next to my friend Juan in the movie theater, and like we both literally grabbed each other's hands like at the same time when Black Philip yeah. started talking, like just instantly. Yeah, both had the same reaction to like fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, oh God. Okay, yep. so that's what's happening. Uh, yep. Yeah. And it's just, it's great. Uh, and the 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 economy of dialogue when fucking Satan is is revealed. <laughs> you know what I mean? He says nothing extraneous. Everything he says is like a fucking knife cutting to the bone. It is beautiful. He instantly targets Anya Taylor's Joy's desires. Mm -hmm. You know. What's that like to see the Oh, it is so good. Yes. It was a joy to watch. Yeah. And I don't even and know why course, I watched yeah. it. I was just seized by the news. Yeah, I thought it was a funny thing for you to, to randomly watch this week. But mm. yeah, as a, you know, American religious history nerd, too, I find all of that super fascinating as well. Just like, you know, the this is often at the heart of a lot of the root of like the early settlers coming here who came here for quote unquote religious freedom. Um, mm. But it's like a very narrow band of religious freedom they were talking about. And if you were outside of that, it's exactly what would happen. You would get banished. <laughs> they did not want you in the Massachusetts Bay Colony if you did not adhere to the exact form of mm. religion that, you know, they were adhering to. And so like this uh, a story that the root of it is, religious disagreement in colonial America and, you know, this family being ostracized because of their different religious views that are still Christian and still insane, but not mm, the right yeah. kind of fundamentalist Christian <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that's like just such a cool place to start this too, like really entrenched in that history. And even, even on a more superficial level, it appeals to me in that it, much like, you know, Lars von Trier, it's a film that... <laughs> Isn't shy about killing kids. Oh, sure isn't. Nope. Doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> killing kids. That's yeah. fine by me. You know what I mean? Do it, <laughs> do it, do it all. This film has everything. It, it does. has corn, you know, trees. Yeah. Sheep. Satanic goats. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> it's got it all. It's got it all. It's a good time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Hey, I'm going to talk about the Black Coat's daughter super briefly. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you, well, we we were going to watch it, or I suggested it one night, 
and you were bored. You said you would like started it and you were bored by it. So I've never watched it because we didn't watch that time. I think that might have been Xanax Mark. Because uh, it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> okay. Um, It's her off Totally Killer, yeah? Uh Oh, um, Kiernan Shipka? Uh, if you say so, but it, it's it's the from main Mad Men. To- <laughs> is she in Mad Men? I don't remember that. The the is Don Draper's daughter. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, she, yeah yeah. No, you say that definitely. Yeah, it is definitely. Yeah. Um, but a, a perfectly serviceable, uh, you know, low budget. Again, I'm on a satanic tip. Clearly, satanic <laughs> horror movie about nice. uh, uh, some girls who are uh, stranded in their super expensive boarding school um and uh you know satanic shit happens it's a it's a perfectly perfectly serviceable three star little satanic horror movie their family okay. kind of family trauma is a is a big factor um but yes the baddie is satan so that's hey. cool. yes, nice. yes 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 it it has the courage of its convictions mm-hmm. uh, and and satan is the evil and not Oh, I had a bad time when I was a child. You know, <laughs> not boarding school trauma. No, it's the devil. Amazing. <laughs> that's fine. All right, Ooh, I'll have to revisit it then. Pin. Let's talk about pin. Let's talk about pin, baby. Um. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. So, moving from 1989. What inspired you to watch this one? Because it was your pick, and yep. you were like, "Let's do this guy." Uh, I have often seen Pin mentioned in lists of uh, kind of slept on, you know, horror movies that you need to check out. And I've often scanned past it on Shudder, seen that image of Pin the medical doll with the the plastic and the sinews and the eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, and the time finally came, you know. Fair enough. Uh, it's time to watch Pin. Uh, so Pin is the story of uh, Locke from Lost before he go- was, you know, crippled and before he was put in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. It was his previous life before getting on that plane. And he is a doctor, a, uh, you know, a very strict authoritarian father figure with his his two kids who he raises, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child, very much that kind of school of parenting. And in his office, the doctor has a anatomical dummy which is a member of the family and they call him Pin. And dad communicates often through Pin, through throwing his voice, through, you know, ventriloquism uh, and, and you know, chicanery. And uh, <laughs> uh, these kids grow up seeing Pin as part of the family and they talk to Pin and they communicate with Pin. And Pin teaches them things, doesn't he, Corrigan? He does teach them things. He's, a, he's a, like a good older brother. But not. Mm. Uh, see... Right, I'm going to share this. My f- <laughs> One of the first messages I sent Corey as we were watching Pin was, I'd quite like to see Pin's dick and balls. I'd quite like to see if, you yep. know, Pin is all there under, under, under the Little towel. did we know that would be a recurring theme for the film. That is entirely what the movie is about. <laughs> um, in this one, I think the, the, the baddie is poor parenting, isn't it? The evil is poor yeah, parenting. Yeah, I think so, one. yep. Um, horrible things happen with pin uh there's a, a brother and a sister and the 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 sister falls pregnant at an early age and the fucking father performs an abortion on her in full view of her brother in full view of pin 
which you know which is a, a, bi a big contributing factor into the deep-seated fucking scary relationship and sexual trauma that these kids have had to endure and dad dies and the brother takes on the role of pin speaks for pin uh dresses pin gives pin some skin gives him a, a covering of latex skin and pin turns out to be just a giant cock block yes <laughs> yeah essentially <laughs> um gets in the way of of relationships uh <laughs> the brother fancies himself something of a poet uh a, a kind of a, an artistic uh, a kind of a, a beat poet and you know he speaks through pin and it's 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 an idiosyncratic lovely little bit of late 80s horror i think yeah. and i'm i'm really glad that we got to it yeah it definitely i think pin is a is a worthwhile watch a very mm. uh well made sort of example yeah. of the genre Yes. Yep. Completely agree. Um, because you know the the late the late uh, kind of late eighties, early nineties was a very very I think fertile and creative time for horror. It's where we we got Chucky. It's where Freddie was at his best. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yes. Pin is great. Seek it out. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> I watched with the screaming chat a movie called Phobia, mm. uh, which I think is probably one of the the less said about it, the better ones. But it it's directed by John Huston, which I think is weird. Um, and basically, what Uncle Buck John Huston? No, that's John Candy. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, you're you're Hughes. John Hughes, yes, <laughs> yeah, sorry, John bad. Hughes. No, John Huston, as in like the Maltese Falcon <laughs> and things uh, okay. like that. Like, yeah. did he do? I'm trying to think. You know, he did a lot of huge uh, things, like the the Treasure of the Sierra Madre, like you know stuff like that. Like classic old director. Um, made Phobia in 1980, uh, which is a, a movie in which, like, basically, you're watching this psychiatrist who is trying to like do like a is it aversion therapy? What's what do they call it when you have like a fear and they try to get you to um like face it you know so like if you're afraid of yeah, spiders yeah, yeah. hold a spider like that kind of thing so he's yeah, like sounds about right he's doing something of that nature with his clients and it's going terribly um <laughs> and uh as he does these sort you know he has one that's like afraid of snakes um and like one one who was clearly like gang raped um and so he How do you has people that? exactly. He has people basically act out gang raping her. Um, oh, no. You know, not the penetration, but the rest of the grabbing and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, like what? <laughs> and then all of the patients start dying off. And so it's like, you know, did the is the doctor killing them, or is there some sort of serial killer uh, in the hospital or whatever? It's awful. It's okay. It's a terrible movie that like is just deeply baffling on every possible level because one of the things that I said while watch well, one of the things I said at the beginning of it someone made a joke about like what phobias would be in this thing and I was like I hope it uh, deals with some of my very specific phobias like um oh god what was it I said I said like elevators, bloody elevators um on cruise ships. Right. And then there was a That's scene so specific, so specific. And then there was a scene where a guy got crushed to get death in the roof of an elevator. No. Yeah. I was like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> OK, fair enough. 
to this movie uh, that it managed to do that. Um, but it's yeah, it's like just a the thing about it is like you're supposed to wonder like I think you're supposed to be kind of on the psychologist side like thinking he's doing something important but he's doing mm. something so horrible yeah 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 that like you're like when was it 1980 this guy's the villain yeah like it's 1980 and so it's like i think you're supposed to you're supposed to like be on his side and then i'm gonna spoil it right now because don't watch phobia it's so terrible the, he's the killer <laughs> and i think that's supposed <laughs> okay. to be surprising to you but mm. From 2024, watching this movie, you're like, yeah, no shit. That guy's a total asshole. Like, to of course try he's the bad be, guy. To try and be open-minded, is it maybe a product of a time where... You know how uh, movies in like late 70s and the 80s didn't know really what computers were? Right, yeah. And, you know, and movies in the kind of early 90s didn't really know what the internet was. Yeah. Does Is it a product of a time maybe where psychiatry and psychology was they didn't they had no people... idea what they were doing in there yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe to a degree i have no idea it's just fascinating because it's like very strange the way they frame it like we're supposed to like we're watching his like his love life and all this kind of stuff like we're really supposed to be like rooting for this guy i think but it's like the whole time you're just like <laughs> this guy is like awful even if he's not the murderer like he's <laughs> A villain a in this shit story. Fucking medical practitioner. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, phobia is not on my recommend list. On the recommend phobia. list, I think though. Nobia. Nobia. It's a big hail Nobia to you. Yeah. I think we both would recommend though. Destroy all neighbors. Yeah, we would. We would. Ah, uh, um, a movie that bludgeons you into liking it. <laughs> it's a good way. Of Forget it. it. Forget not liking this film, right? You will like this film whether you fucking want to or not. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I started off, I started off kind of a little ambivalent towards it. I thought it was trying a bit hard, mm. but it doesn't stop trying hard. It carries on right. trying hard. Yeah, it's exactly. Like a, a, it's like an eager puppy. It mm. wants you to fucking like it, and you will. It is so energetic and so kinetic and so you, you, you call it chaotic, and you were yeah. bang on. This film is fucking just insanely fucking energetic. It it doesn't stop uh, and it will win you over. Um, it's a <laughs> prog for fucking no reason. Why? Right. It, it, it tells a story of a frustrated and weary, world weary prog musician who works at a shitty fucking studio in the outskirts of his town. Uh, you know, he's doing his best to finish his magnum opus, his fucking, you know, his prog track, which is going to validate his life and change his world. And his relationship is struggling because of it. His work is unfulfilling. He encounters the same fucking homeless guy outside work every single day. He's in a rut creatively and professionally. And he, you know, accidentally kills a bunch of people. Uh, and, you know, those people then go on to help him form a band and, and realize his ambitions. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah it's a delightful little movie i think you know you just have to lean into that like it is i yes. i think that's it is it's like a little puppy it wants you to like it it's super high energy and it's a fun time if you let it let it be yep. um doing no small part to the involvement of alex winter who of course in multiple roles under layers of fucking latex is ah oh man i fucking love alex winter you know yep. he's 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 he feels like one of these guys that's just always there in the background, just plugging away, you mm -hmm. know, championing 
you know, great little creators. Yes. Uh, making he's, he's not what you'd call prolific in terms of, of, of the movies that he that he makes and puts out there. But when he does, you know, it's for a reason. This, in fact, uh, Destroy All Neighbors has the same chaotic, relentless energy that Freaked does. The movie that he made with Randy Newman fucking decades ago. Uh, <laughs> have you seen Freaked? I don't think so. It's nuts. It, it's if House of a Thousand Corpses was fun. <laughs> okay. That's what Freaked is. It takes kinda place in, in a kind that. of a circus freak show uh, where, you know, the freaks are all a good laugh and a great bunch of lads. Oh, and, no, and I've definitely seen this, but like not brilliant. since childhood. Yeah. But it, it, it I, it's same. I haven't seen it since then either. But <laughs> what I do, what I do remember from Freaked is that it has that exact same. Just it's like a locomotive. You get on or you turn it off, basically. Look at the I mean the cast in here. Alex Winter, Randy Quaid, Keanu, Mr. Randy T, Quaid, sorry, not Bobcat. Randy Newman, who sang You've Got a Friend yeah. in Me. From I know, Toy I was story, like, that's him. a weird, weird <laughs> Randy pull. Quaid, different Randy. Yeah. <laughs> like I accepted it, but I was like, okay. Yeah, Bobcat, Randy John Hawks, Newman. Brooke Shields, William Sadler, Lee yep. <laughs> Ehrenberg, yep. Morgan Fairchild, Deep Roy. Yeah, it's Sam Raimi. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. I don't remember Sam Raimi being in it. <laughs> yeah. So that I'm going to have to check that one out. I definitely once I saw like the picture from it, I was like, oh, no, I do remember this. But yeah, yeah. Not uh, in any detail. So I have to check that one out again. Similar vibes. And Love and it. Destroy All Neighbors has just a load of really, really fun uh, practical gore. Um, yeah. Limbs are fucking chopped off. Heads are run over in vans. Entrails playing the drums. Take, yeah, yeah, they take on a life of their own. Uh, and it's also really smart. It's really funny. You know, the, the you know, even if a particular joke doesn't land, don't worry, because there'll be another one along in a few right. minutes. And that one <laughs> is one of those. Yeah, definitely. Ah, so good. We've seen some good movies this week. Yeah, it was a pretty else. good um, week, I'd say. Doop, 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 doop. I just want to quickly talk about the Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> again, I... There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason lately as to why I'm watching the movies I'm watching. I, I'm very much going with my heart right now with what I put on and, and watch. I think sometimes you got it. That, that's a January thing, isn't it? See, it's yes. like, you know, you're in that zone where it's like things could get things could get yes. dreary. Yes. So you, you got to follow your heart. Feed your soul. You have to mm. go with your instincts. And I watched The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And fuck me, I'm so glad I did because it's such a good again. One five stars it leaves you no mm -hmm. choice this movie doesn't miss it doesn't fucking miss it's it our first no, direction to, to peacemaker who's incredible mm -hmm. um, idris El uh, idris alba is fucking brilliant and every one of these fuckers every single one every single character in that story has such a brilliant redemptive arc there's good in every one of those characters david dasmalchian is mm. oh so incredibly good in this film. Even King Shark, man. Oh, that, right. That wonderful scene when he uh, he's in Jotunheim, he's in that fucking huge tower, and he finds that uh, aquarium. <laughs> and the fish are following him, and the fish are following his hand, and the, the, the rest of the movie just stops. The rest of the movie just pauses, and there's this wonderful fucking space where he, he, he realizes he's got friends, he realizes he's got people who share his... His experience and it, it 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 brings a fucking amidst all of the idiocy of that film because mm -hmm. a lot of it's stupid you know There's oh yeah stupid absolutely comedy in it as well but amidst <laughs> all that everyone 
has a really beautiful beat. Everyone has a really beautiful space where it's outsider art, man. This film is massive budget outsider art. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it's it's that good that you can see yourself in these redemptive arcs. It's fucking brilliant. The Rat King story, it only gets like maybe 10, 15 minutes of screen time. Mm -hmm. But it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's fucking stunning. Um, In my letterbox review, it was only a couple of lines and I stand by this. There is more authentic humanity and soul in that film than there is in all three Guardians. And I love the Guardians films. I love them. They're great. <laughs> But remember what I said about the third one where it feels a little bit forced that the the big emotional moments feel as though they have to be there. They're shoved in. That that was the vibe I got anyway. In Suicide Squad, you 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 are unprepared mm. for just how authentic that film is. And I, I ah. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been a gun stand forever i think i've said before we, that you know bike, sorry, a, as a bike, as a bike, yeah you know, one of the like first 10 people i ever followed on twitter in like 2008 you know? like, mm. i've always been a, a big fan so maybe i'm a little bit of a mark but like yeah i love the suicide squad i just think it's brilliant and it is yeah. one of those ones that i you know go back to and yep i'm always delighted yep. by him you know you know that if a movie is on my shelf if the fucking disc is on my shelf it's a keeper uh, and <laughs> every every time I see it, it has the same effect. It's brilliant. The performances are great. Peter Capaldi is fucking as usual brilliant. By the way, oh, mm. by the way, mm -hmm. so you know that Peter is my son. Peter at twelve is uh, he's in a big old Doctor Who phase at the minute, right? He's watching <laughs> all of the Doctor Who's. Do you remember? Is he like watching um, like all of the Doctor Who's or like New Who? Like, he's gone from you know from Christopher Eccleston. From, okay, gotcha. Okay. However, with the appetite that he's got for it, I, I fully expect him to go all the way back. <laughs> uh, but do you remember um, he would have been like 10 or 9 and I chose as a fucking, as a parent, the fucking, the stupidest thing I could have done was I sat him down and the first episode of Doctor Who we ever watched was one of the scariest <laughs> I've ever fucking seen, right? Yeah. And it, he... I, I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating for effect. This is absolutely 100% true. Uh, he made me turn it off at a scary moment. And I, 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 was, I, I felt I felt so fucking ashamed of what I'd done to him. It really fucking actually scared the hell out of him. He didn't sleep properly that night or for at least two or three nights after. I would hear him crying in his bed at how oh, frightened he was. Boy. Right. I know. But now two or three years later, he's in his rewatch. He's hit that episode again. Mm hmm. Brilliant. And he sat down with me, dad, 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 I'm at that episode. Should we watch it again? I was like, all oh. right, then. And we sat down and we watched that same episode that absolutely fucking ruined him uh, <laughs> when he was nine. And 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 we laughed about it. And it, it is a really effective episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, really, really super scary. But, you know, we just enjoyed it this time without the, the trauma. Yeah, without the scarring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, obviously, it was a traumatic couple of days, but something that now, just a couple of years later, is a yes. laugh. We can laugh so, about it now. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't permanently scarred by that episode. Yeah. Yes. Good okay. shit. Uh, anything else? Let me see. Do, 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 do. Uh, no, that's our watches for this week. So The Witch, Pin, uh, Black Coat's Daughter, Destroy All Neighbors, The One About the Snow. <laughs> Society of the Snow, Phobia. Yes. Um, yes, I also I did go and see American Fiction this week, which was delightful as well, but not really in our purview. But if you're thinking about mm. going and seeing it, 
I highly recommend it. Yeah, and, and again, not within our purview, but uh, because it's it's Owen's birthday on Tuesday, he gives you the big one out. Mm-hmm. And fucking hell, I've never known anyone to be able to binge a show like he does. He finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and has gone straight back to the beginning, right? Oh, nice. Oh, it, it, you know, and I, I'm enjoying it as well. It's funny as fuck. So as a little treat to him, I let him watch Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. <laughs> I, I saw that I, you had watched that and Keo had watched it like the day before. That's like one of his comfort movies. He watches it over I, and over brilliant. again. It, it, it's <laughs> brilliant, but I hadn't quite remembered just how explicit yeah. it Extremely. is. Extremely. <laughs> very, very explicit. Um, uh, uh, the entire time Laura was shooting me fucking archives. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the two listen, of us laughed uproariously the whole time. Here's the thing. He's 10. Mm. Yes. You know what school is like when you're 10. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, he's got a little dirty little vocabulary and all that kind of stuff that he deploys at school and all yes. that. So, like, you know, pop star is just sort of a thing that he's going to go to school and that his friends and him are going to chuckle about and say the, like, explicit things in it and it's fine it's just it's yep. just part of being a kid it's it's what life is yes yes <laughs> there's something kind of fun about you being a part of the process instead of it just being yes something i'd rather exactly be rather able to control it in, it in some way yes i'd rather you do it <laughs> here than yeah <laughs> so yeah it's a really that. good movie week good i love that hopefully here's to another one we'll see how it goes let's do it um, following our hearts Yes. Speaking of following our hearts, this this week we followed our hearts and our Facebook page to our main topic that we're just kind of going to shoot the breeze about. Um, And this came from John Benfield, uh, Mm. who is one of our listeners uh, in the UK. One of our longest listeners, one of our. Yeah, I'm going to say it, Ben, as one of our favorite listeners. (laughs) Uh, He was the the father of the first Joag baby, I believe. Yes, it's true. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, one of our great friends. Uh, and yeah, um, unbeknownst to us, uh, John works in risk management. Yeah, which is I, like I knew that like he travels for work and stuff like that because he comes here uh, to the U.S. from time to time for work. But I did not realize that that was what his particular field was. I never mm. know what anyone does for a job. <laughs> no, that's just not a thing I know. No. Why would we? Bless my friends, they've accepted that I don't know what they do <laughs> at this point. Uh, <laughs> every now and yeah. again, someone will just like ask me what I think they do, like just for fun. Like, what do you what do you think my job is? And, uh, you know, mm. I tend to get like somewhere in the ballpark, but, you know, that's about it. Uh, but risk management apparently is what old Benners does. And he posted uh, on our Facebook this um, global risk report from the World Economic Forum, which um, I kind of looked at what the World Economic Forum is. And basically it's a sort of nonpartisan, independent uh, group that meets together um, with people from all over the world to sort of talk about like uh, corporate ethics and the idea of like you know no, uh, if a, we all have a stake in society is an uh, oxymoron if ever I've heard one right yeah I mean this is their this is what they say their mission is or whatever but they they mm. all you know get together and sort of try to analyze where like the landscape of the world is and what corporate 
corporations, what responsibilities corporations have to making sure they don't destroy the world. Um, and basically kind of looking at it as like, we all share this place. We all have, we should all have a stake in it, including the corporate overlords. So ideally, you know, I don't know who these people are. It says made up of both private and public, um, you know, business people, um, all that kind of stuff. But for whatever reason, all of these people assemble and they talk about one of the things that they talk about. It's not the only thing they talk about, but amongst the things that they do is they come out with this global risk report, uh, yes. which kind of looks at the whole landscape of the world and what's going on and our various crises and things like that. And then sort of tries to um, list in order to the best that they can, which threats are the most imminent to us uh, as a global society. Which is very, very, very Joag. I mean, last week, <laughs> you know, last week we covered Joag rule number one, you are not safe. Yes. And this report clearly outlines Joag number two, Joag rule number two, which is we are all fucked. Yes, right. I mean, this. so this has been going, I think, since like 1970 or the 70s, somewhere in that general vicinity. So they've been doing this for a while, coming out mm. with this. And I think, you know, the first line of their summary here, uh, the first years of this decade have heralded a particularly disruptive period in human history, which oh, is great. like when you've been doing this for like 50 years and you're like, <laughs> yeah, the past Oof. three. This one's bad. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, not great. Oh, uh, so good. In the next paragraph, they say, you know, as 2023 begins, the world is facing a set of risks that feel both wholly new and eerily familiar. Um, we've seen a return of older risks, inflation, cost of living crises, trade wars, capital outflows from emerging markets, widespread social unrest, geopolitical confrontation and the specter of nuclear war, which few of this generation's business leaders and public policymakers have experienced. So... That's fun. Where to begin? Where to begin uh, is, is basically the question. So let's there's, like... There's, a, there's a, a little tiny sliver of validation here for you and I, I think, because mm. if you go down this list, and helpfully they've done it in uh, kind of severity, you know, they've done it yes, in... Yes, exactly. Not only have they just listed what's going to fuck us, they've listed it in order of fuckitude <laughs> almost. They've kind of, yeah. you know, they've, they've attached a percentage of fuckability. <laughs> for every one of these factors, and it's quite, you know, yeah. it's, it's quite good. But it all begins, of these things, I mean, yeah, go ahead. When I'm talking about this validatory bit, they're all they're all stuff that we've covered on the cast essentially right, yeah. over the past couple of years. So you know, Joag is 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 the fucking place that sees it coming, right? You know yeah, this. exactly. You know I was thinking the same thing as I looked at this. We're I was like, oh, good, system. it's it's actually our our fears that we have discussed on this podcast. So yeah. it's a kind of validation that I don't know that you totally want. <laughs> Like no. at the same but time, the same it's like time, I'd it like to think that I am. Yeah, it's, I'd like to think I'm overreacting here on this podcast. Yeah. But uh, then you see this, and like the headline on the summary page for the the global risk report says, "A deteriorating global outlook," <laughs> which is great. Um, you know, there there's all these kinds of things. Obviously, you know, with it going all the way into Gaza. Um, at the end of the year, we've got more COVID-19 things that are issues. All of this kind of stuff is still uh, very much a thing. Are you hold? Something that John mentioned in his, in his post, actually, when he shared this with us on Facebook, mm -hmm. was a, a fascinating fact that, did he say that more people are going to be voting in 
national elections now than have kind of simultaneously at any other point? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it was something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> Which is because it, it, it looks as though your next election is going to tie in quite nicely with ours. Yeah, it's like all of these different global elections are coalescing at the same time, which is really fascinating. You know, mm. uh, yeah. So let's look at what some of these things are, shall we? Mm. Um, so I would, I would ask listeners, I mean, what do you suspect mm. might be number one in this, you know, the 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 chart that you don't ever want to win, you know, the, the, what, what do you think might be number one? What do you think might be the number one suspected cause of our forthcoming extinction? Yeah. Take, take a moment, give yourself, maybe pause for a second, whatever you need to do, but what do you think? Oh, you know what that theme is? Countdown. Yes. You know, friend. You know how much I love eight out of ten cats. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> um, so have you guessed? What do you think it is? In at number one, we have extreme weather. Extreme weather. Uh, and again, great catchy headline here. Environmental risks could hit the point of no return. Mm. So uh, what time course. scale are they giving here? When? Yeah, so this has, so it says environmental risk continue to dominate the risk landscape over all three time frames, which is, let me go back here. Um, ba -ba -da -ba -da. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure which time frames it's actually says. Are you looking at the page? Well, no, I'm not. But But what I am looking at is, you know, some of the fucking evidence that backs that up. Go ahead. Um, I'll see if I can figure out what that. Absolutely, no doubt. It isn't. It isn't. You know, as as you know, your, your Trumps would have us believe. It's just a blip in the stats. You know, <laughs> if you go back through the history, they've yeah, always it been happens all the cross. time. No, 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 no. That's not the case. Uh, California wildfires, for example, uh, just the last couple of years in in Europe, the European fucking massive heat wave. This uh, twenty twenty three, in fact. Uh, was the warmest year ever, ever, ever in history, ever. Um, oh. And yes, yes, the the last four hottest years ever on record have happened in the last five years. So that's neat. But there was one that wasn't the warmest year on record. So take that, liberals. Mm. Clearly, yes. where's your science fully now? normal. <laughs> yeah. I made a snowball. There's no such thing as climate change. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hot as fuck. Um, and to the point where the year before last, I, ah, man, the year before last was so goddamn hot. There was just no sleep to be had. Yeah, there was no comfort to be had. It was fucking vile. Uh, and it's great to know that that is now yeah <laughs> pretty much the norm. <laughs> the coolest summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was I was simultaneously there for that, the hottest it's ever been and the coldest it's gonna be. Right, exactly. Bullshit. There, there was um I was just telling Keo earlier today that on our local Facebook group, someone had posted a video from nine years ago of mm. one of the ponds in Montclair having frozen over and everyone ice skating on it. Um and they had said, I wonder if this will ever happen again. Cause this used to be a thing here that the the yep. pond froze over and everyone went uh ice skating and it has yep. not done that 
in years it does uh, and it as, doesn't get that as i anymore. say this i know uh my brother alan if he's listening will remember this when we were kids there would be snow drifts in wales right up to our upstairs window you know oh, absolute wow. yeah. snow drifts that would that you could fall into right up to your waist <laughs> you know yep. and that that doesn't fucking happen anymore it just yeah. does not happen anymore right it's like just from a bare observational like outlook you know like just thinking about things for any of us who are over the age of like 30 i think it's very easy to look back over our lives and see how much the weather has changed wherever we're from it's not the same places that didn't get snow get snow places that did don't um you know rain and drought and all those kinds of things like i've said before like you know this house flooded like three times in the 70 years that my grandmother lived in it and now Mm. it floods you know at least once a year (laughs) like that's a problem on top of that uh you know it's not just that we're all uncomfortable and our basements are flooded but according to this you also have to deal with biodiversity loss and ecosystem collapse yeah which is uh awesome critical change to earth systems um Essentially, uh, what this says is that, um, like, if we make it to like basically a th- uh, what uh, it calls a three degrees Celsius, right? Celsius. Yep. Okay, <laughs> that's like that's what C stands for, right? <laughs> a three degrees Celsius world uh, explores the consequence of passing at least one climate tipping point within the next decade. Which, to be clear, that's a really high tipping point. We've already passed yes tipping points to this like already um recent research suggests that the threshold for triggering long-term potentially irreversible and self-perpetuating changes to select planetary systems is likely to be passed at or before 1.5 degrees c of global warming which is currently anticipated to be reached by the early 2030s we're in 2024 now like that was a thing that like kind of felt like a little bit distant and now that's like you know, when you're when Owen gets his driver's license or whatever, like that's how close this is. Do you get your driver's license at 16? uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can apply for it at 16. Yes. And alongside that is the fact the stone cold, incontrovertible fact that every single target, like I know I've said this before on the cast, but every target that every government has ever set itself to reduce emissions has been missed. Just blast. No one has right ever it. hit a fucking target that they've set. <laughs> Just cool. Uh, or very... not. Yeah, it's the opposite of that, actually. Yeah. Uh, which is how we get like on last week's episode when I talked about the fact that like the Northwest Passage is not like a difficult crossing anymore because we just mm. straight melted the ice. Speaking of which, I mean, and then you, you know, humans, <laughs> cool that we are are still doing the most ridiculous shit. I mean, you know, the story in the news this week about, you know, upscale bars and restaurants in the UAE and the United Arab Emirates are now importing glacial ice to use in fucking cocktails. Uh, It's like such a, I mean, that's almost too on the nose, right? Like rich people importing the ice from the dying polar ice caps Yep. As like this cute little relic of like before they destroyed the world. Like it's yep. just too, too incredibly on the nose, ridiculous shit. Although I do kind of wonder like what it tastes like. I have drank glacial water. 
<laughs> and it was delicious. So, you know, uh, I'll grant that if I were handed one, I would, I would, I would drink it. In the but I would be grumpy violence, about it. The the startup that is shipping this fucking ice claims that it's carbon neutral. Uh, oh, okay. But how the fuck can it be? Get fucked! You're not fooling me. You're not That's fooling. John. Carbon neutrality is like the biggest, like yeah. just greenwashing nonsense yeah, 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 sure. that we have right now and i like can't believe we're letting people get away with it same with your carbon offsets when you fly and all of that yes. kind of stuff like none of this is real yep the company says it's carbon neutral it's lying to you that's just not a thing that exists so let's just you know keep that in your pocket so that's cool he straight in at number one in the straight hit parade. In number one it's extreme weather uh now I'm delighted, kinda. <laughs> in in a mark way. Yes, to find that uh number two, friends, what do you think it might be? Number You're two is a <laughs> AI generated mis and disinformation. Yay. The global fucking risk report says that's the number two threat to mankind's dominance, you know? AI generated misinformation, disinformation. And that's kind of why I mention how uh, pertinent it is that there's such a global moment for democracy this year, because that's where that threat is going to come from. It's going to come from mm -hmm. bad exactly. actors using that tech to fuck with democracy and to tilt the balance of power in, you know, in, in, I'm tempted to say in, in nefarious ways but is there a non-nefarious i mean i think that's the thing it's like yeah like i don't i don't know that that exists nor do i think that i think the problem is that non-nefarious uh agents in any case are powerless against something that is so easily leveraged for yeah. nefarious things like yeah. you can't just like i'm gonna make a truth-telling thing like who the fuck cares because one of the mm. things about this that it it highlights is not just the ai itself and the, the disinformation coming from ai but the polarization that yeah. comes as a result of this they call it societal yes, yes, yes. polarization and basically yeah. that like the use of ai to uh create disinformation uh creates like further unrest and further um you know, this divisiveness between people, which, of course, mm. you know, I don't want to sound like I'm like, oh, everything is so polarized now. We used to all be able to get along like that's not how it works. And obviously yes. things are going to be polarized when you've got people who like want to take everybody's bodily autonomy or who are sponsoring genocides or things like that. Like there's going to be mm. polarization, but like there's polarization over real things and then there's polarization over disinfo that yes. is easily being spread everywhere that we don't have the like the media literacy to understand that people don't have the tools at their fingertips yes. to be able to parse what is disinfo and what isn't um it's, you know it that's huge these two uh with miss and disinformation uh, my understanding i don't know if this is the same as yours but my understanding is misinformation is people sharing stuff which is untrue that they believe to be true Right. Whereas disinformation is people specifically sharing lies on purpose exactly. to sway opinions. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> and so there's overlap between that, obviously, too, because mm. there are people making disinformation 
that is then shared as misinformation by people who don't know any better. (laughs) So, you know, it comes from nefarious places, but it's shared in earnest. I'm seeing this in in, uh, because I'm a TikToker now. Right. And I'm seeing this in real time (laughs) because I don't know why the fucking algorithm is serving it to me. But, you know, every 10 or 12 swipes, I'll get a fucking flat earther, you know. (laughs) Right. Uh, you know, which should be the... by like by TikTok's own terms of service. Yes. That shouldn't be on there in the first yes. place, let alone served to you in your algorithm. And in in the same way as I think of, you know, psychics, you either mm-hmm. believe it. So you're nuts or right. you don't. And you're a liar. It's the right. same principle. You're either be- you're either sharing this because you think it to be true. So you're a fucking crank with a fucking loud, loud, loud amplification tool here. Or right. you don't believe it and you're sharing it on purpose mm-hmm. for what for what fucking reason? Why? Right. But it's kind of like I always it, it goes back to me to like the people who create conspiracy theories. It's like the people who are taking them in. Believe them, you know, they really mm. think, you know, for whatever reason, whatever combination of things in their lives have caused them to distrust authority to the point where they will believe anyone else <laughs> on these kinds of things. The people mm. who are like your Alex Joneses and things like that, yeah, who yeah, are yeah, like yeah. then are the ones who are perpetuating this kind of stuff. Like they have so much control over like what people think. Yep. And then, but like when it gets to us, right? When it gets to your TikTok feed or when it gets to Facebook or things like that, you're largely looking at a group of people who believe these things in earnest. Like the disinformation yes. agent is so far removed from the thing at yep. this point, you know, that it's like, I guess that's where disinformation becomes misinformation. Right. By the time you're sharing it to the wider audience, it doesn't matter what intent you shared it with. Right. The end user is sharing it's... it, you know, at face value. Yeah. And, you know, this is like, this is one of the reasons why I hate TikTok so much is that it's just so easy for disinfo to spread on pretty much every possible, you know, topic. Yes. <laughs> like, there's so much of that out there going to like people who are sort of not in a place necessarily to be super literate about yep. the stuff that they're they're taking in. Um, and so you can see that, yeah, this kind of idea of like the disinformation being spread, the polarization, how easy it is algorithmically to place disinfo into people's lives. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's at a place that it never it never was before. And what has just occurred to me is that how closely uh, number one and two link together and feed mm-hmm. off one another. The misinformation, you know, find me somebody who is actively campaigning to reverse climate change and i'll mm. find you someone else who doesn't fucking believe in it in the first place right yeah and that's that's totally it like the people at the top of that problem know they're creating disinformation yeah, 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 you yeah. know those people who you know began running those those counter studies again scare quotes around that but you know in the in the 70s they started running the that campaign to be like but we're not sure about it as all of the scientists were like, no, this is bad. Uh, And they started that campaign intentionally knowing what was happening. Uh, But then, and you know, politicians know, but they're being paid by oil companies to not believe. But when it gets down to, you know, your neighbor 
who doesn't yeah. believe in climate change. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not they're not doing that for nefarious purposes. They just yeah. the disinfo has gotten to the point where now it's just and it's all a political belief. Fucking, you know, like good old late stage capitalism is doing its thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just chugging away merrily like we spoke about offhandedly just before right. Christmas. Shell a fucking I've got a fucking right. <laughs> a fort like map. That's which insane. is just an advertisement to buy their new fucking petrol. Ah, oh, <laughs> Christ, how fucking insidious it's so bleak. is that? It's so it's bleak. horrible. Ugh, what's next on the list? Uh, societal and or political polarization. Well, that was part of the... Yes. Was, yes, so we did that one. And the next we have... Uh, uh, cost of living. Cost of living, which yep. I think in both of our countries is... Yep. A huge issue. I think the Brits do a better job of highlighting this than we do. Um, mm. I think, you know, being there, you see on the news talks of the cost of living crisis, the all talks the of the electricity the and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Here, Rent, property prices, uh, right. electricity, food, you know, everything, exactly. everything, everything is not only more expensive, it's smaller. And again, I'm mm-hmm. not a fucking, yes. I'm not a guy yelling at a cloud. I'm not. <laughs> right. No, this is it real. Is a, it is a fact. Everything is more expensive and smaller than it was before. Right. Oh. And here, the you know, we are basically gaslit about this whole thing where the people here can tell everything costs more. We're getting less for it. People are getting evicted. Everything is terrible. Uh, yep. But our media is telling us that's not true. Uh, actually, <laughs> everything's gotten better and there's no more inflation and everybody has a job. And <laughs> what are you guys talking mm. about? Everything's fine. Uh, mm. While we are feeling squeezed by all of this stuff, it's basically just, you know, because the media is largely working to get Biden elected. <laughs> it's important that we ignore that people are worse off than they were and ending uh, COVID emergency funds and like the things that were that they put in place to keep children out of poverty during COVID, all of these kinds yeah, of yeah. things Biden has ended, um, sending people back into poverty as a result. Uh, well, all of us, you know, in any income bracket are certainly feeling the fact that it is so much more expensive to go to the grocery store yep. than it was there's, before. I mean, there's a, a very similar situation playing out here with the upcoming election. I mean, mm-hmm. thanks to our politics, it's a two-party system. There's only two fucking parties that yeah, realistically are going to govern the UK. Worst. And no one, no one is voting for Labour right now because of their policies. Yeah, because, because the they're so much they better. <laughs> they're only voting for Labour because they're fucking sick of the Tories. And Labour are drifting ever 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 more towards the right wing because they know yep. full fucking well that that's the only chance they've got of gaining power and that's the fucking market they have to appease or they think and- they do i mean that's that's like you know here we have the same sort of thing in the two-party system and the democrats consistently drift right thinking mm. that that's how they they get the votes you know mm. and it doesn't work doesn't work that way the reason people are going to vote uh labor is not because ah they're finally right wing enough for me to sign on no it's because the tories have fucked up and so now people will vote for them i think it's a yeah yeah, like maybe a degree to it but like largely you know you can't as a labor party person you're not really going to win over a conservative as a democrat you're not really going to win over a conservative 
you just have to, you know, present something better than what the assholes who were there before had. But it it's they are it's all about hedging their bets. You know? Well, that's the they, thing. I know what they think they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and I think maybe that works a little better there than it does here. But uh, like here, they consistently keep moving to the right, and thus just fewer people vote for them, and they just keep losing mm. because conservatives are going to keep voting Republican, uh, and you know, fewer progressives are going to vote Democrat because now they're right wing <laughs> instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating, and the two-party system is such a huge pain in the ass. Isn't it interesting how so many of these factors are basically interwoven? Right, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, is like, when you look at all of this, these are all the same problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. All just coming around to, and most of it doesn't have to do with us, which is why, I mean, obviously, this is the World Economic Forum, right? So they're talking about corporate responsibility, and they are the people who are responsible for this. You know, they, we cannot change any of this stuff uh, from here. This is all stuff that, like, from a corporate and governmental level is oh, all interwoven that. together. We've always kind of low-key thought, oh, maybe one day, Joag, we can solve a crime. Imagine if we could solve the world. That would be great through this I podcast. I would love that to would solve the world. Please. I am <laughs> so on board. World, make it a better place. <laughs> Corey and me and the entire human race. A little bit of Michael Jackson for you there. That was good. I like that. Uh, in at number five... Cyber attacks. Woo woo. I love a cyber attack. Um yeah, I mean like we the lawnmower man and shit. We've been we've clearly been seeing plenty of those, lots of places that have uh been hit with various cyber attacks, including mm. like airlines getting hit with them or hospitals. Hospitals have been a huge target of cyber attacks in the past year. Um many systems and hospitals have gone down because of that, which is a mm. hugely disruptive thing. In fact, we talked about that in um, our hospital series when we were sort of talking about the various terrible things that can happen to you in a hospital. One mm-hmm. of the codes that they have developed in hospitals now is, you know, depending on the hospital, there are always different colors, but a code that you can call for cyber attack. Because if your systems go down in a hospital, um, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. runs everything. Um, yeah. You know, your your patients die as a result of your your yeah, and cyber system going down. Uh, over here, a year or two ago, the NHS was hit with a colossal cyber attack, but it isn't even the targets that you might suspect would be vulnerable. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the British Library of all institutions, mm, the fucking okay. British Library, is just recovering from a massive ransomware attack. Leave the library alone. See, like, oh, why sake. do they attack the banks? Didn't you all see Fight Club? Don't, don't go after the library that's bringing information for free to anyone mm. who can have it. Go after the people who are holding us all down, who are destroying the world. Go after them. Mm. What are you doing? Like Bain, take out Wall Street. <sighs> right. Like Ugh. this one of many cases of the villain is right in a thing. <laughs> like, ah, like, Bain did nothing wrong. Yeah. Am I supposed Apart to not be on his side? Yes. <laughs> Apart from that. You um, merely adopted the dark. <laughs> I was raised in it. Have you have you seen the ad for um what is, oh god what's it called? It looks like the most annoying movie I've ever seen in my life, but it has Tom Hardy in it. It's a new movie, and it's like 
I think like every cast member in this is British, but they're all doing some sort of extreme American accent <laughs> in it. And it is, oh my God, it is, wait, I need to find this because while you're finding that i'm going to give you a little treat i did read recently that the best way to do a bane voice is to do it in a in a glass and i have a glass right here so let's <gasps> this please do it will be extremely painful <laughs> <laughs> for you right, it works it, you killed it the bike riders is okay. the movie that i'm talking about yeah mm. jody comer is the lead and Whatever weird ass Midwestern accent she's doing is nails on a chalkboard. It's so terrible. Uh, and then it has Tom Hardy. Who knows what space accent he's oh, doing? Like... Mate, I've come to love him for that. Oh, I've no, come I, to. F I will forgive that any day of the week. I yep. Tom Hardy can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, like and then every it's director got... is too fucking terrified of him to go. <laughs> can we try one? Without the voice. Uh, no. He just glares holding his pit bull, you know. Like, oh, no, it's fine. It's great. Uh, yeah. And then it's got Austin Butler, you know, he who transformed into Elvis and has never come back from it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dialogue wise, this movie seems deeply annoying and I will be skipping it. Um, anyways, what's next on the on the list? Uh, economic downturn. Again, economic it's, downturn. it's woven through everything that we've just spoken about. You know, mm -hmm. you can't extrapolate, you know, you can't extricate the economic downturn and, and deal with it on its own yeah. terms. It's it's not, it's not, uh, uh, it doesn't feel like a, you know, a, a factor in itself. It's a symptom of everything else that we're talking about. Which is cool. Uh, disrupted supply chains. Yep. That's, you know, there's your economy. That's your fucking climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, escalation or outbreak of interstate and armed conflicts. I mean, without even consulting Parliament, without even <laughs> in the space of like a 12 hour period, Britain made the unilateral decision to just fly the fuck on in and start chucking bombs down at the fucking Houthis. Interesting mm. that that decision was made when there was just a hint of threat to the economy. Mm, exactly that. Right. You know? <laughs> it's people have been using that. Um that Britta from Community meme uh, and basically it says like I I can excuse genocide but I draw the line at um, in disrupting the supply chain yes like pretty much yeah it's like everyone's really yeah. quiet until commerce was a thing and now we're bombing people who have not hurt anybody they have not you know killed anyone else they've simply disrupted the supply chain I'm sure some people died, but on on the scales that we're no, doing. they literally have not killed anybody. <laughs> Nobody, oh, really? yeah. I mean, I'm gonna Google it right now, but uh, I'm fairly certain they have not killed anyone. And my keyboard isn't kind of a weird place, so um... do the Bane voice again if you'd like. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's <laughs> yeah. As far as I can see here. Uh, yep. Nope. The Houthis have not killed anyone. My God. Yep. My God. <laughs> right. Fucking right. Like, it's so transparent. It's it's so it is. Yeah, crazy it's, about this yeah. like whole thing. You know, and I was Gossamer talking to thin. Yeah, I was talking to Richard earlier today about this, you know, also on the note of sort of gaslighting and everything. But and we were talking about like Israel specifically, but this goes for all of this stuff, this like 
basically we all witness things with our eye holes and in our experience of life and all of that kind of stuff. And then like these governments come in and they go, no, no, you didn't. No, no, I know how I get you thought that you saw that, but you didn't actually see that. Mm. (laughs) You're like, I, what? I don't think that's how this works. (laughs) And that's all of this, you know, Uh, climate change. It's not, it's not happening. It's just, Oh, this cycles. is crushing me. <laughs> this is fucking <laughs> crushing me. Oof. Uh, All right. Um, do, let's do one more before we, you know. Well, and it doesn't have to be the next just, in order. Pick your favorite left on the let's list. Let's summarize the rest. All right. So yeah. coming in there, we've got attacks on critical infrastructure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Bomber hospital, yep. bomber fucking power station. Yep. Uh, disrupted supply chains for food. Look, it's yep. it's interwoven. It's all part of the fucking same mess. Uh, censorship and erosion of free speech fascinating mm, mm-hmm. that comes in about midway down um yeah. disrupted supply chains for energy uh public debt distress skills and labor yeah, shortage God, yeah. uh, this one's beautifully worded accidental or intentional nuclear event <laughs> listen i worry honestly more about the accidental ones to be honest so mm. i get it like some guy's gonna drop a wrench Yes, exactly. <laughs> Blow up Arkansas. <laughs> uh, violent civil strikes, accidental fucking or intentional release of biological agents. Uh, yep, love that. Uh, international collapse of the financial sector, housing bubbles, and finally, finally at the bottom, the bursting of the tech bubble. Yeah, I mean... I was watching a YouTube video earlier today, actually, from some more news, and it was kind of talking about, um, like, this is not the tech bubble, per se, but I'm just in the ballpark of this kind of thing. It was talking about, like, the economy of, like, YouTubers and, and you know, the that kind of creative work and all that kind of stuff, and how mm-hmm. the way that it, it started... Um, you know, you had all these people making like bajillions of dollars on YouTube and all that kind of stuff, getting 100 million views, and blah, blah, blah. And then like little changes to the structure of ads or the structure of how they, you know, let your channel have certain views and stuff like that. So people who would get 100 million views and something going down to, like a million. And then it's like, well, we're not going to give you like money for this, but we're also going to force ads into your stream. And then like yeah, going yeah, to yeah. like, OK, well, now everyone uses Patreon or Kickstarter or things like that. And they talk. Dead about, Lovely like, had a little issue like that, didn't they, recently? Where they did, yeah. It's like it's host like, was just chucking ads right in the middle, mid-sentence. Yeah, yeah, right. Literally in the middle of a word Ben was saying mm. in one of the episodes. But then it was talking, he was basically saying like, okay, so then I think it was Kickstarter. They decided to do like a blockchain thing for oh, their payments or whatever, um, which of mm. course caused an uproar and everyone was like, no, don't do this. Thankfully, because then like the blockchain crashed and like all of these people would have been out of their money if they had done that. But like Mm. having these like companies like that, which is a small number of employees and people at the top who control an entire economy. Right. So like if Kickstarter collapses, that's not just like, oh, fuck, that website went down or like Patreon collapses. That's an entire economy that collapses as a result yeah, yeah. of that, which I relate then to sort of tech as well. Like if if we have crashes of these systems, which we all rely on in various ways, you know, and yeah. these, these small numbers of these tech corporations and companies and things like that, that control our world when something goes down, 
you destroy yeah, entire yeah. economies, you disrupt well, societies. The, the kind of the biggest impact of this cyber attack on the British Library was, mm -hmm. you know, research, fucking actual valuable medical and sociological research was completely fucked. Right. Because, you know, the, the biggest fucking seat of readily available, freely available learning was just completely taken out of action. Mm hmm. Ah, fuck, man. Yeah. It's all it's a, <laughs> right. Like, and, and with more consolidation of things that we kind of, we're always like, just like a, a step away from monopoly in every yes. single realm yes. of our lives. Yes. You know, there's like, now it's not one corporation, but there's like three that own every sector of life. And take the fucking the free internet. It used to be mm -hmm. just just a fertile ground full of creativity uh you know message boards forums discussion mm -hmm. open fucking exchange of ideas and now it's four fucking websites exactly that you know and searching for something on them yeah, right yeah, like yeah, now yeah, yeah. i finally because my browser was automatically edge on here it's bing which is way better than google as it turns out Show me how um, you edge <laughs> <laughs> as, as the tweet went uh, <laughs> you don't want to see how i am trust me microsoft you don't want any of that fucking smoke <laughs> oh boy uh you might say mark is the edge lord if you will <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know but um the yeah all that to say that like i i think a lot of times we don't totally like understand how few people are in charge of every aspect of our lives and if any yeah, yeah, of yeah. that goes down in some way so much more of our world is destabilized than we realize that it is i think it's time to wrap this up yep i can't i genuinely can't deal with any more of this <laughs> Yeah, that's enough. Oh, God, that's enough. <laughs> Tap. I'm ta tapping the fuck out of this. <laughs> Listen, cheers, Benners, for bringing yeah, this to our attention. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> it's giving us, I mean, here's the thing. Like you said, it's not giving us anything new, per se, to no, worry no, about. No, we no. have talked about pretty much everything on this list. Um, but there is something to the fact that it is, you know, validating in the most negative possible way. <laughs> Going yeah. like, yeah, we're right to be worried about that. What are they now? What is the World Economic Forum doing about it? Uh, and maybe didn't warn you. Yeah, maybe Benners can help us understand that too. Is manage the they, risk, Benners. Come on, it's your please time manage to this risk. Help us save the world. <laughs> Come to the hour, <laughs> uh, friends. Let us know. Did anything on this list surprise you? Uh, was it all? your fears is there something that you're surprised isn't on here um mm. does any of this give you nightmares please just let us know what you think on all the socials as well as helping us pick a comfort movie to balance this out for our yeah. end of the month watch along god damn it feels like we need it mm, i think so you're in such a good mood I mean, when we got here <laughs> uh, yeah thanks for that. that that's that's in the fucking rearview mirror now <laughs> Let's look over the report, quietly. she said. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, look, hey, this is what Joag does. This is our fucking happy place, right? Mm. We know you're not safe. We know the world is fucked. And we know that we aren't going to get out of this alive. So let's try and have some fucking chuckles while we can, huh? Here, here. And on top of that, it is important that we stay spooky. Oh, 
Risk number one is that you don't stay spooky. It's <laughs> the biggest thing. I don't know how it didn't make the list. <laughs> People deciding to remain unspooky. 